Hey, this is a Hakawati production. Hi there. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Nadia Michelle. What are you up to today? Training for any marathons? Planning your next mountain climbing expedition? Are you hard at work on a couple of startups that will change people's lives in cities across the Middle East? Or are you soaking in this beautiful day, sipping on Pepsi just for the love of it? If that's the case, be sure to click on the subscribe button, you know, since you have a lot of time on your hands. My next guest is doing all of the above. He's the head of marketing transformation for PepsiCo in the Africa, Middle East, and South Asia region, and he also founded Omni Athletes, what he calls a group of ordinary people realizing extraordinary feats. And he's the founder of Longevity Sports, a company that's developed a cold water technology that helps athletes train and recover from intense physical activity. Please welcome to the show, Danny Afuni. Hello, Danny. Hello, Nadia. So healthy foods and a healthy lifestyle are the big market trends right now. How's Pepsi doing? Well, Pepsi is doing um, great, thank you. Um, a lot of investment and, uh, and uh, launches on the uh, uh, good side of ingredients from a beverage perspective. We are investing in, uh, in, in water. We're, uh, we're investing in, uh, in healthy beverages. We're investing in, uh, in healthy foods. You know, uh, Quaker is a big piece of our business. Uh, Gatorade is a big piece of, of, of our business. And um, we're, growing, uh, we're growing in that way uh, globally. So it's been a it's been a good and exciting journey so far, and uh, a lot coming uh, coming soon. A lot of new stuff coming. Always. That brand Always. is so strong. I think that when you say Pepsi, people just automatically think of you know the Pepsi beverage, but I think people don't realize how huge of a company it is. Uh, of course, they own Seven Up, Mountain Dew, uh, Tropicana. True. Uh, Gatorade, as you mentioned, Lipton, Aquafina, the water, which actually is really good water in the Middle East. I, in the States, I'm not crazy about it, but I feel like here they kind of got it right. Uh, they also sell foods like Frito-Lay and Quaker is huge. It's what True. oatmeal, uh, breakfast cereals, right? And they own other stuff too, right? I, like I was reading, they just bought this Chinese online uh, snack retailer. Yes, for $700 million dollars called Be and Cheery. Who they sell uh, nuts, dried fruits, Uh, meat snacks, baked goods uh, online, right? So this is in China. So they're investing all kinds of part, parts of the world where people wouldn't necessarily know this is Pepsi, obviously. Absolutely. So they're doing really well. So what's your role in all of that um, based in Dubai? What do you do there? I um, head up something called uh, marketing transformation in uh, a region that is called Amiza, which is uh, Africa, Middle East, and South Asia. And what I do basically is I enable all of the markets to ensure that we always have the best thinking in terms of marketing, uh, enable, enablement in terms of uh, technology, and how we uh, make sure that we're always talking and listening to consumers uh, on the uh, on uh, digital and all forms of, uh, of uh, medias. And um, what we do is, um, like I told you, we, we enable this thinking and make sure that we're always with the curve, ahead of the curve in terms of where we invest and how we create this dialogue between our iconic brands as well as our, uh, uh, you know, beloved consumers. Okay. So you've actually been on the cover of a couple of magazines. I don't know how many, but not for your amazing knack for selling Pepsi products, but because you're also an endurance athlete that's done incredible stuff like the Seven Summits Challenge. 
uh, which is huge, and the triple seven quest. Um, during, during your training, uh, you've developed a new technology that helps people like you become better and stronger. Explain what you're working on and talk a little bit about your, your experience um, as, a, as an adventurer. I don't know. What, what do you call yourself? Um, I would say, because I was thinking about this the, the, the other day and for a really long time, I'm, I'm an explorer. Uh, as well as uh, basically technically I'm an expedition climber but also because of my other passions in the endurance world I'm also an endurance uh, athlete by by passion so it's a hybrid of uh, of, of a couple of things um, but let me take you a little bit back in time because you see the way I developed my passions is because of a of, of a calling and un, an unanswered calling in my in my mind I grew up in um, in a military house um, my father was an air force pilot and you know part of that comes uh, comes a lot of heroic stories from friends as well as you know my direct family so there was kind of this unexploded seed in my head that always pushed me to um, question if I want to sit on the side and listen to other people's stories rather than um, say my own story and become what I really strive to do is become the perfect Hakawati, you know. Um, if you've read Rabia Alam Dean's book. Good one. Uh, I, yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I, 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 I love that book and, and it's what I, what I really um, uh, strive to, to become. So um, along the way, as well, my corporate job uh, uh, kept kind of, uh, you know, asking the question. I kept asking the, the question around, you know, do I really want to work on my net worth or I really want to uh, also think about my self-worth? And, and back then, I remember our um, late, late chairperson, Indra Nui, if you've heard the name. No. Uh, she, Indra was um, uh, the head of PepsiCo for a really long time. Um, and she uh, gave this beautiful speech about self-worth and the difference between self-worth and net worth. And that really struck a chord with me because, you know, I was as I was climbing the corporate ladder, there were a lot of unanswered question and, and questions in my mind whether, you know, do I really want to work only on my net worth, but then what? So I started uh, doing some charity work. I was previously a professional skydiver. And um, and I had to stop for personal reasons, so that kind of threw me in a in a little bit of a bigger question mark. So I started wait, doing. Wait, 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 wait! You were a professional skydiver. Does that mean you didn't have a regular job? That you that's all you were doing? No, I was. I mean, yes, and in, in my personal life, that, that back then, all I was doing, other than my my corporate job, again, my corporate job is kind of the the base, the constant, the, the constant, and and. Um, and, so this uh, was in Dubai. This was in Dubai. Okay. And and you know Dubai has one of the best uh, skydiving sky, skydiving drop yeah. zones in the world. Yeah, I would try and it there. Yeah, absolutely. You should. You jump over the palm and it's actually beautiful. Um, but but back then I was a licensed skydiver and this was my passion. I had to stop for personal reasons, and it kind of threw me in a big bigger question mark until I started to do uh, something called climb for cancer. And Climb for Cancer is just an endeavor where you do expeditions that are very hard to the ordinary person. And then uh, on the back end of that, you actually say, if you like my story, if you like what I'm doing, then let me connect you 
to the cancer center where people who loved our story would donate directly to um, to the cancer center. And we started helping um, a couple of cancer centers in Jordan and uh, in, in, in the UAE. And we also worked a lot with um, the Children's Cancer Center of Lebanon. We work a lot with them as well. And... You know, from there on, it was just uh, height to height, you know, from from one challenge to the other. I, I got really hooked on expedition climbing. So once you're in that zone, you actually start hearing about expeditions that are tough to achieve or uh, amazing races that are tough to achieve. So back then I started uh, forming the idea of, um, you know, we want to be the group of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. How long ago was this? This was around eight years ago. Okay. And we um, created a team called the Omni Athletes because uh, Omni Athletes is just a group of people who are multidisciplinary. So we, do, we, we don't only climb, but we also uh, go, and, go around the world and attempt, uh, you know, crazy races in the farthest um, corners of, of you can imagine around the world. So we started climbing. Um, we started with the highest in Africa, which is Kilimanjaro, the famous Kilimanjaro. And then uh, we went to Mont Blanc and uh, in, in the Alps, we climbed that. And then we heard about uh, an amazing race called the Triple Seven Challenge. And the Triple Seven Challenge is where you run uh, seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. Yeah, this sounded crazy to me when I was reading about it. Yeah. How does that work? So what you do is you you go to a city that represents a continent. You run a full marathon. For example? For example, Melbourne for Australia. Okay. You run a full marathon. Um, like how long is that marathon? Like it's 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 a full marathon. Five hours, something like this. I mean, we were averaging between five, five and a half, and six, okay. uh, because we needed to make sure that. Imagine you are running a marathon per day, and you have to do it seven days uh, consecutively. Yeah, Pace, um, pacing yourself has a whole new meaning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Not only pacing yourself, but taking care of yourself, uh, making sure that nutrition is a, is a major part of it, making sure that recovery is a major part of it. Um, every single detail works and you become your own time zone because you have to travel the world in seven days. And every day you have to um, you have to run a full marathon and you have to do everything in between. So we started in Melbourne, run a full marathon. Every day you finish up, you hurry to the airport because we weren't taking a big uh, private plane. We were flying commercial. So we, we went from Melbourne first day, Abu Dhabi the next day, uh, France, Paris third day, uh, Tunis the fourth day. And between Paris and Tunis, you know, it's a two-hour flight. So for us to be able to cross the Atlantic, we had to run two back-to-back -back marathons in less than 24 hours. And this is where I had kind of a major event because imagine by Tunis, um, and I remember this. This I remember this in, in detail because when we landed in Tunis, um, the um, the the Tunisian TV came up to the to the flight and the bus, and they said, "We heard you had three Arab runners with you," and I was planning to sleep, you know, mm -hmm. but we couldn't sleep because they wanted to interview us. So I had to run the fourth marathon without any sleep, and this is where I kind of broke down in the middle, and. Um, and this was a major event in my life because I was halfway there. Uh, I had been preparing for so long and I reached a point where I really lost hope. 
And it's so disappointing because you think that, you know, you're going to disappoint yourself, you're going to disappoint your family, you're going to disappoint your sponsors, and you're going to disappoint everyone who you're going to go back to. And, you know, you're, you're not going to achieve what you... Uh... So back then, I didn't listen to my body and I pushed on. But I learned the lesson about hope, really, because... When I broke down in uh, in, uh, in Carthage, uh, halfway through the marathon, I realized that after I I, I broke down and I kind of uh, and, and look, I'm I'm not going to be shy. I broke down and started crying like a baby, because it was very painful. <laughs> yeah, right? I can imagine um, running running the four marathons back to back, and then I was so tired. I was I, I, I like you would I be like completely sleep. empty. I would imagine completely empty, energy. Completely yeah. empty. This was like the last thing you know, where where you lose hope. But I but I learned a good lesson after that, which continued with me to the mountains, because the mountains had real life survival, life and death uh, situations. Um, I realized that if you hang on a little bit uh, after you think you've lost hope, you find so much upside and hope later. Uh, I just, I mean, one hour later, I just got up and I continued until the last one. And and then after Carthage, we flew to New York. We ran uh, New York and then we flew down to Chile on day six. Um, we ran Chile and this is where I had a major injury. But I was so stubborn back then, um, w- which I would say is, is is bad now after having the proper experience. They had to kind of wrap my, they had to kind of a little bit separate my knee away from my, um, from the rest of my, um, uh, the rest of my leg so that, you know, the, the, the tendons don't get hurt from the impact. And I had to limp my way through marathon six and seven in Antarctica, uh, Chile and Antarctica. Wow. Uh, until we crossed the finish line, and this was, um, we, we were able to prove to ourselves that this was um, uh, possible. And from there on, it becomes a beautiful uh, upward spiral of let's do the next big thing, and the next big thing, and the next big thing. The next one was um, uh, the North Pole, where we uh, we came to know that there's something called the Marathon Grand Slam, whereby whoever has run the the, the seven marathons in seven days and goes and runs the mar- the, the North Pole Marathon which is the coldest marathon on earth, at the last point on earth. Did you do that? I did that uh, a few months later. They get something called the Marathon Grand Slam. So we went to the North Pole and we had a little bit of drama because after the, la- the, the, the airplane landed on ice, the ice shelf broke and we got stuck for a few days over there. And But anyway, we, we ran the marathon there. Um, and we got the Grand Slam, and from there on, it was only big. I, I back then in 2016, I decided that I wanted to try and be the first person um, in the world to have two Grand Slams, which is the Marathon Grand Slam and the Explorers Grand Slam. Now, the Explorers Grand Slam is a whole new beast on its own because um, this is where you have to climb the top seven summits in the world, but also ski the poles. Okay. So so I'm I'm more than halfway there. I've climbed five of the top seven summits. Um, this April I'm going to the North Pole again, for the second time, to attempt something called the Last Degree, which is part of the Explorers Grand Slam. What you do is, they take you in a helicopter. Um, they put you on degree eighty nine. Um, and you know the North Pole is just uh, frozen ice over the the Arctic Ocean, mm-hmm. so there's no land. Mm-hmm. Um, they put you in a helicopter, they fly you to degree 89, and then they leave you there with your sleds. And you have to make it to degree 90, which is the last point on Earth. 
Uh, I was lucky in 2016 to stand on the last point on earth. I have a beautiful certificate that I always cherish where they take you in a helicopter. It was a, it was a touristic thing, part of the marathon after we finished as mm-hmm. like a trophy. Yeah. Uh, but this time I'm I'm gonna make it on skis. So you have to um, climb up. No, the the North Pole is flat. I see. Uh, yeah, so you have okay. to make it. But but it's um, it's one of the fascinating places in 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 this world where the 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 Arctic Ocean is frozen over, and um, the ice expands and contracts in a way that some ridges build that are so high that you face all that and you face open water as well. So we're we're going to be ready to cross all of that and make it to to degree ninety. And um, do you get kind of a, a, a an image of what you're going to cross beforehand, so you can kind of plan your route, so you can see if there are cracks in the ice or anything that might hinder your your no. advancement? Okay. That would be Sounds... disappointing, Nadia. We're going really? there for the surprise. Yeah, I mean, no. Uh, so unfortunately, what do you do if you can't cross? Um, You either swim, which we're prepared to do, or we have to wait until the 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 ice uh, contracts, and then we we can we can so go. So you on. would swim, and like all your equipment and all that is all waterproof. You can just yes. dive in. Yes, the the sleds are are they serve as boats, um, but we we try and not do that. Uh, we try and uh, wait and cross. Uh, we would hope that the ice would not be drifting south, and yeah. we're making our our way up north. So that would eat away from our from our distance. But the only way you know that you've reached the end of Earth is through GPS. When you see on the GPS a nine zero, you know that you are standing on the last point on Earth. This is where we hopefully call on the helicopter to come and take us back and. Um, Then we would, um, you know, we would uh, we would have completed this uh, this task. So if something happens to your electronic devices, you guys will never know if you've made it. <laughs> Is that what you mean? True, yeah. True. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. But uh, they've never made a landmark or anything of the sort either. They can't because you know the ice is always drifting. Yeah. And I've seen that happen firsthand. Degree ninety. Is never the same uh, location for more than a few minutes, because you reach degree ninety while you're on ice, and then I a see. few minutes later, it's going to drift. And it could, and that degree ninety could be like a wet spot, like in the, between the ice. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow, yeah, so and I've been there before. There's it's just a sheet of ice, but but when you go there, they tell you that this is that there's no time right now because you know all the time zones they converge, converge. on degree ninety up north and south, but. Obviously, south is a, is land. North, there's no land. So, do you sleep in a tent? Yes. How do you do. know that it's not going to crack be- below you while you're sleeping? Well, we don't. I've I've uh, I've faced this before when we had the drama in 2016. They wrote a lot of articles about it. The crack in the ice when the shelf broke. I'll show you the picture now. It was five meters away from my tent. Um, so five meters to the left, we would have had a damaged tent, but you never know. I mean, what we do is we try and make sure that there's um, either layered ice or make sure that w- we never camp over thin ice. You know, you always, even if you have to travel, uh, you always make sure that you're you're camped uh, over over thick ice, and that's that's part of the experience we have. Um, 
So, yeah, this is part of the Grand Slam, uh, but it just came after a whole um, journey of mountains uh, in the Andes um, in uh, in Oceania, um, where we climbed Karsten's Pyramid. Also, the most fascinating for me was uh, Antarctica when I traveled last December, um, not this December, the one before, and we climbed something called uh, Mount Vincent. Vincent is the highest summit in Antarctica. And this is where you really... Um, appreciate um, and feel lucky that you're stepping, let alone stepping on Antarctica, but going to the heart of Antarctica and climbing the highest summit in Antarctica. Everything is so fascinating. From traveling in a cargo jet to the jet landing on ice, to the way they live and they manage everything there, to surviving in these very harsh temperatures, to really um, witnessing the silence of uh, an, an empty, um, iced-up desert. It's, it's just fascinating. I mean, I, I can't put it myself to words. I hope you make it out there someday, but I really feel pri privileged that I was able to visit um, North Pole twice, third time coming There's up There's only now. one thing that would stop me, and that's that I get cold really easily, and I feel like it would ruin all my fun. <laughs> But I guess you go there really well prepared. Yeah, and, and, and you know, this is where I started my, my own venture, longevity. Um, you know, the, the, the reason why um, I've visited all of these places is because I've done the hard work before. And I always say that, you know, hard work is the best insurance plan you have against failure uh, if you do the hard work. And, and part of that as a segue was I really wanted to train my body uh, to hack into my system and kind of uh, get prepared for these extreme places. So uh, since five years, I started training in altitude and um, uh, training in extreme cold water uh, to be able to prepare my body for sub-zero temperatures as well as, you know, create an immunity system in me and, and strength in me that can really have uh, endurance. Wow, and that's amazing. You... So you can actually train your body to be more resistant to cold? Yes, if you immerse your body in um, in very cold um, uh, water, what happens is your immunity system uh, grows and you start developing a threshold uh, through your central nervous system to accept uh, colder temperatures. And you become really strong and, uh, and resilient. And this is how I started training myself by spending time in uh, in very low temperature water, uh, something that would be a lot colder than the Irish Sea, between the Arctic Sea and the Irish Sea. So I would spend time in in five degree water, which is which is insanely cold, and uh, I would build my threshold. And what happens is, you know, when you shock your body in a good way like this, and then your mind accepts it, um, uh, the cold water uh, starts to really build your your immunity, and you start to have um, a very strong uh, central nervous system, as well as you know physiologically, your body changes to become uh, to become stronger, and Coupled with altitude training, um, I invested in my own altitude system at home so that I can survive at, at lower oxygen 
and uh, train my body to be fit and prepare myself before I go in altitude to sleep in altitude and to train in altitude. Now, what that does to your blood work is you have uh, an abundance of uh, red blood cells that actually makes you very strong, uh, very stronger, and makes your lung ma- makes your lungs actually accept the fact that in low pressure environments they cannot take as much oxygen as they do when it comes to high pressure environment like the mm-hmm. uh, the uh, sea level so that really opened up and and when i was looking for a lot of facilities to train and i found none and this kind of you know exploded another seed in my head which is which was look i i can't find these facilities to train in i know i know for a fact that there are a lot of people that want to do that that are just like me ordinary people who really want to go and be inspired by what this earth has to uh, has to offer as well as go and do hard work that really changes them inside out you know i mean what the mountains have given me you know, I, I'm, I'm always going to be grateful because they gave me mental output, uh, mental capacity that is um, second to none for me, you know, and, and it's been it's been a fascinating journey. So I thought, you know, why not create a venture where uh, that's why I called it longevity, you know, because what I try to do today is as much as poss- possible through technology, um, you know, hack into my system so that I can increase my capacity and, 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 and do that. So today we offer technology where people can come train in altitude as well as recover and train their bodies in hyper-cold water so that they can be generally uh, fit and healthy because because this is not only for people who want to perform but people who want to really be healthy in their lives as well as you know who people who want to prepare for all of these fantastic uh, expeditions to uh, to do so when you're training let's say in the cold water how how much time would you spend in the water and how often every day yes i try and do um, every day I've been working my way down from 14 degrees Celsius. Um, Today I'm at 5 degrees Celsius. I do um, almost 13 to 15 minutes in 5 degrees Celsius. What I try to do is I try to do a lot of breathing exercises before and during because, um, you know, this is how you warm yourself um, uh, up and this is how you kind of have uh, a centered mind uh, so that you can you can kind of convince yourself that this is okay, this shock is okay, and your body will take it as long as your mind will take it. So this has really helped me increase my mental capacity in a way to stay centered while my body is getting shocked. But I've convinced myself that, you know, this is good shock that's building my immune system. The way you describe and... it sounds like if you were being tortured by like Saddam Hussein, you'd be okay. <laughs> that's how strong your mind sounds right now. So tell me, is it like a... Is it like a vessel? What does it look like? And do you, how do you go in there? Are you go in there like naked? Are you wearing something special, like a special suit? Well, you, it's a good idea. I still haven't tried naked, but... Uh, but <laughs> I don't uh, know if it's, it's a good idea. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. But, uh, but this is like a, a vessel of water. It looks like a pod, uh, a huge pod that fits around four to 500 liters of water that's connected to a very high, uh, high-end um, cooling system. Uh, that keeps on circulating the water, measures the temperature, and makes sure that whatever temperature you're giving it is um, is uh, sustainable. Um, and you spend time there, you know, you you spend time and, uh, and you stay centered. And uh, you realize that 
time after time because because of how you feel. You feel invincible after you finish a session like that. And you sleep well. I mean, there are so many benefits. But So how th- long do you stay in there? Um, it depends on the temperature. Yeah. But, but I'm staying there now between 12 and 14 minutes. Okay. Uh, sorry, 12 and 15 minutes uh-huh. at uh, at five. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do it daily. But the, the beautiful thing about it is that um, you're, once your mind accepts it, you kind of look forward because of the benefits that you feel. You really feel strong, uh, uh, you know, physiologically. And uh, and your immune system is so strong. You really feel good after uh, after you convince your mind that I'm, I'm able to, uh, to do it. And the reason why I really love it is because there's the goodness of technology that reflects on people who seek general health benefits, but also people who have chronic diseases. I mean, we have people visiting us who have um, central nervous system diseases. They have spinal cord issues. Uh, they have inflammations of all kinds. And the benefit is just, you know, just second to none. I, I love the feedback that some people are, are giving us, especially that, you know, there's so much good behind this. Like, for example, can you share a story of someone um, with an injury or yeah, disease? Yeah, we had, we had, uh, uh, we had someone, we, we had actually two people. One of them uh, had um, uh, a central nervous system uh, and an immunity disease. And the only solution by the doctors was hypercold water. And it's really, it's really saving people to, uh, to uh, become stronger from an immunity perspective. Um, because this grows your immunity. Um, okay, I see. And, and we've had people who've had um, traumatic accidents, uh, and they can't sleep. Uh, uh, you know, they 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 have issues, and the only thing that's right now working for them is spending time in hyper cold water because, you know, it uh, it really helps the blood flow accelerate in such a way that uh, you know you oxygenate um, your you you know your tissue regeneration as well as. Uh, so as so well as this would be something useful as well for athletes who have injuries, I imagine. Yes, yes, absolutely. Or a broken bone or a torn ligaments. Is this something that you would recommend for the for helping we have, to recover? Absolutely. I mean the first the first benefit would be reducing inflammation and delaying inflammation. So um, so think about all the way from general health benefits when it comes to immunity to recovering after intense training to really taking care of your your um, you know your fascia uh, um, and and muscles and tissues basically to uh, to keep everything in check because you know we've seen athletes come into the pods at hyper cold water and um, the concept of shaking lactic acid from your muscles is very important for athletes and this really helps kind of shake lactic acid from uh, from from your uh, Um, yeah, from your muscles. So and, interesting. And and not only that, you know, military is using it uh, because all the military that uh, really perform basically in hot zones, uh, they they use this to stay centered. Uh, you know, the 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 hot weather and the hot climate just kills your concentration. So is this a technology that exists that's existed for a long time? How have you contributed to the kind of the development of the technology, and what are you doing with it um, as a venture? How do you plan to kind of uh, grow it? So um, the, growing it in the Middle East is, is uh, offering it for the first time. Uh, that's that's as it's as basic as that but what we've tried to do is we've tried to develop that facility that people can come in and um, you know we've we've developed it 
developed it commercially in a way that you know this is not a clinic you you come in um you you do your uh, recovery session it's priced at a good price and then you start reaping the benefits and this stuff never existed uh, before in, in in that way and in that industrial way that we're we're uh, we're offering it um so we're we're trying to build the business in the middle east we're trying to make sure that there's a lot of education and awareness on the benefits of of ice bath mm-hmm. um and and you know we're getting a lot of traction and appetite from consumers who either want in-home usage so we can supply that to their homes or who want to come to our facility and just perform an altitude as well as recover in uh, in, in cold uh, in cold water but let's talk a little bit about re- research and development you know um one thing about me is i like to obsess about creating a beautiful product that that kind of coincides and 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 uh, uh, you know builds on a beautiful story and then it 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 becomes a legacy mm-hmm. it becomes better um think about soldiers in action think about endurance athletes running uh, the uh, the Mar- marathon de sable for example where uh, it's super hot climate it's a desert and you have to perform so developing technology that can help them uh, developing portable technology that can really help them stay cool and wired and centered is something that uh, is something that we're we're uh, we're looking into and you know the the this technology is is not developed uh, i would say in the whole world let alone in our Uh, in our world so the upside and the runway in terms of in terms of innovation on what we can do um, to to really help people in zones where um, heat stroke is is just you know a business as usual is just a beautiful thing to think about from a passion perspective that's why longevity has an infinity symbol next to it you know because what we want to do is we want to recover people we want them to hack into their system so that they can do much more than what they do today and um, you know keep on keep on uh, de- uh, developing towards uh, infinity and that's why i love technology you know you look at your basic olympian today versus 50 years ago i would say other than the hard work and and athletes pushing themselves um technology has played such an immense role in making people better and uh, you know pushing people to um, and athletes and and uh, to to uh, go places that they've never imagined they would go I would really love to try it. It's interesting that it's something that's been around and it's a concept, I guess, that's not new. And yet it really hasn't been tapped into. So yeah. It's great that you're doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just as simple as cold water, you know. Yeah. But, but, then, but then how you how you develop it, how you execute it, and how you really show people the benefit of it over a sustained period of time is, uh, is, is paramount. So... I'd love to see you suffer uh, in one of those. Yeah, I have one concern, actually, before I'd get in one of those. How do you ensure that the person's not going to die of hyperthermia? I mean, how do you measure the tolerance of each person? I mean, there's no standard, right, for, for all humans. It's not like, oh, you weigh this much, you can handle this cold for this long. How does it work? How do you, how do you prevent We... unwanted death? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. God forbid. But uh, we, we monitor, and out of experience... Let's knock on wood. Knock on wood, absolutely. <laughs> Um, we, we monitor, right? So when we see symptoms like um, uh, cramps in, in um, feet, basically, uh, okay. and blue lips and uncontrollable shaking. So you monitor very closely? Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm your best when friend you when you're monitor, inside the monitor, how pod. do you monitor? Are you watching or do you have uh, sensors that are connected to the person? No, we, we watch and okay. there are symptoms. Blue lips. Yeah. 
um, shock and lack of uh, breathing properly. I switched from being your best friend to to, to a hostile get out. You know, does that happen sometimes? I, I've seen some people um, yeah. because when your body touches the extreme cold water, the first thing you do is you stop breathing, and that's very bad. And the second thing you do is you you uh, you you a little bit uh, panic. So what we try and do is we try and tell people that, you know, um, this is this is good for your body. Let your brain accept it. Breathe. Keep on breathing. And when we see symptoms like uh, blue lips and uncontrollable uncontrollable shaking. This is the time to get out, you know, and yeah. sometimes it's good to get out. Yeah. So um, are you working on anything else? Well, I am. Forgive me for not being able to tell you explicitly what it is. But um, look, one thing about um, one thing about what I've witnessed in, in the last 10 years is when you have a passion project, and um, you want to develop a product from that passion project, and you want to combine a beautiful story and how you obsess about creating a beautiful product that includes the goodness of ingredients from this beautiful earth. And you kind of uh, develop a range of product that really uh, enhances people's um, uh, lives and uh, makes them feel feel better and, and really uh, helps them get uh, healthier. Um, this for me is is um, you know a passion project like like no other. So forgive me for being super abstract, but we are working on on something that is uh, that is in the consumer goods world, um, and that combines the goodness of ingredients. Uh, it's going to be available in the next couple of months, um, and you're going to absolutely love it. Well, so. I know that you have a secret ingredient, and I know that you can't reveal it here, but I absolutely can't wait to uh, to see it on the shelves and to see it come out and to try it. It's coming. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be the first in the Arab world. It's going to be a homegrown story that I'm super proud uh, about. And, uh, you know, it's going to combine it's going to combine all all the, 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 the goodness of ingredients. And, and I'm telling you, it's going to be swag like hell. Well, I love what you're doing because you're combining this uh, this love of nature, this love of life, and the things you've learned from your experiences with your you know incredible uh, experience in the corporate world, which with one of the world's most successful companies. Um, so best of luck to you. Thank you. I mean, what I'm doing right now is, um, and and I've thought a lot about this in terms of the articulation, but. I'm trying to substitute short-term pleasures with long-term, uh, you know, happiness, and I always say that. And and you know, when when you when you do that and you create commercial sense out of that, uh, it becomes such such a uh, you know such honor to to kind of stay and and uh, and do so many things. But really, thank you. I, I really enjoyed this talk, and and uh, and kudos to what you do. I mean, it's super inspiring. I've listened to some of the the things you guys produce. It's uh, it's 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 a lot of fun and it's very inspiring. So well done yourself. Thank you for saying that and thanks for passing by. Pleasure. That's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to subscribe and check out Danny on Instagram to see what crazy thing he's up to now. And check us out too, hakawadi.fm and the Nadia Michelle. Take care. <laughs>